0: Well, good morning, everyone. And again, I always love, thank you, Jamie. I love that uh, our kids are here and I'm also very excited that the water didn't go over today. That would have been a fun uh, memory maker for us all, right? But it's good to be here together. And as a reminder, if you're new to us as well, we are in the middle of a four week series that we're calling the Benediction. And the Benediction is this idea that we're starting this new season here at New City um, with the end in mind. Thinking of our legacy, both individually and as a church community. This is an incredibly wonderful and significant moment, and we're trying to start the season keeping the long view in mind. And so we're thinking about our legacy, and the benediction helps create that. We said our week, first week that words create realities. Words create realities. And so these words of the benediction, empower us to think about what that new reality might be and so the benediction that we're leaning into goes like this it says may you jump into the arms of jesus and may he push you out into the world may you be healed as you participate in the healing of others not because you must but because you may this is what you were made for and this is the benediction that we're leaning into and today We lean into the third line of our benediction where it says, may you be healed as you participate in the healing of others. And I pray that God blesses us today. So would you pray with me? And let's ask for that. Let's ask the Lord to do just that. God, we thank you for this morning and we thank you for the way that you've already been wooing us in today, that you've been working in our lives. We thank you for the table and coming to Holy Communion together as the body of Christ today. What a gift that truly is for us to unite around what you've done for us this sacrifice that we celebrate in the form of a sacrament and i pray lord as you've brought us to this spot this morning to church together that lord you'd be attending to us right where we are we each bring in different um, dare i say baggage father different stories different narratives different moments whether it was something that we're dealing with temporarily or maybe a long-term issue, things that we're celebrating long-term things that we're celebrating. We ask that you attend to us right where we are. And we ask also that you would continue to give us great wisdom as we consider the future of this family, this body, of this church, of this location, and what you're calling us to. We love you, Lord, and I pray that you'd be in these words today. May they bring you glory and honor. We pray these things in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, in 2020, my wife and I, Maria, and our family, we'd made the decision to move up to Minnesota from Chicago. It was the height of the pandemic, and we were all remote anyways, and we thought, what better time for us to move home and be close to family, and we're so glad that we did. It's been part of our story coming to this place as well. But in that um, June and July of 2020, we bought a new house on the east side of the cities, and one of the really great things when you buy a new house is you start to think about all the new projects that you want to do right Uh, we did some flooring in the basement we painted some walls and Maria my beautiful bride in the back had this incredible idea to do something very creative with one of the hallways leading down our stairwell and so she said I'm going to find wood pallets in the city for free and start bringing them to our house And I said, you're going to find wood pallets in the city for free and bring them to our house? She said, yes, I am. I said, okay, you know, sweetheart, go for it, do that. So she started driving around the city and finding these pallets. You know, she went online, she looked at uh, Facebook Marketplace, and she found these free wood pallets. And she put them right in front of our garage door, by the way, I think almost as a message that I should get involved in the process, right? So once she had enough wood pallets, um, that she had gotten for free from all these different people, different companies, whatever. Um, we also have a free power washer that my wife found in a free box on Marketplace. If you ever want free stuff, our family, that's kind of what we do. We go onto Facebook Marketplace and we find free things. It's just the way it goes. So I took that pressure washer And wash down all these wood pallets. Now, wood pallets are pretty simple. They're four by four or five by five square wooden manufactured pallets that carry goods, heavy things that a forklift comes underneath and lifts it up, right? And they get beaten up bad. They get all greased and dirtied up. A lot of times, companies store these things outside, and they are nasty. But Maria had a vision. She had an idea she was going to take these things and she saw something that wasn't yet. And it started with cleaning them. So we pressure washed them, we laid them out to dry. Days later, her and her sister cut these things up and they started to create what turned into um, what I think is a very beautiful hallway wall going down our stairs. We'd love to have you over sometime to take a look. And they cut these things, they put these things up and it turned into this like creative expression of something very, very cool that That came from something pretty gnarly, pretty beat up, pretty dirty, pretty gross, and became something not only that I think is beautiful, but it's a part of our home, right? It's, dare I say, a reclaiming vision, a reclaiming vision for something that was old. And of course, the point of this narrative is the word reclaim. That's the point. And when we see today in John chapter 4, and we showed you the video today, because there's literally 42 verses to our text today. It's a very long text, and we thought the kids could engage it as well. But it's a reclamation story where Jesus does something in the woman's life that reclaims and repurposes her life. It's a reclamation story. Now, if you're using your um, YouVersion Bible app, I want to encourage you to do that. Um, We've got sermon notes in there um, that are for not only this morning, but we want to also give you a chance to sit with the text today or this week. And so we've got a Beyond Sunday section in there. There's sort of discussion questions that you can engage um, and maybe even talk with your significant other about. But we really want to give you a chance to sit with the text. And so we want to start with John chapter 4, verses 1 through 42. And like we do every week, we're going to ask, what do we know about the text? First of all, we know this is a 42-verse-long story, and it's a conversation that Jesus has with this woman, and it says so much about the heart of God, about the heart of Christ. And we won't get to every dimension of the 42-verse event uh, today because it simply would not be enough time. We wouldn't do it justice. But it is a rich text worth sitting in. The main point involves Jesus and the woman having a deep and rich theological almost debate let's just call it a conversation but there are points where it seems like a a debate and it allows um, them to enter into sort of a a very short-term relationship in which Jesus pours into her even though there are real and perceived differences between Jesus and this woman so much so that the woman Is changed. She leaves Jesus and follows the example and the challenge of Christ and helps her community find and follow Christ. So in verses four through seven, it says this. It says, Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of the ground of Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and notice it's a Samaritan woman, please. When she came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? So the first part of this part of the text says now he had to go to Samaria. Last week when we were talking through the story of Philip, and as Philip engaged the Ethiopian eunuch and the conversion that happened in that house um, that day, Earlier in Philip's story, we mentioned that he was in Samaria and that he was leading people to Jesus. And we talked about how significant that really was for a Jew to go into Samaria. And in this story today, we see an even more pronounced um, naming of that division. The Jews considered Samaritans to participate in idol worship. They took foreign gods and they mixed it with their worship of Yahweh. This was an anathema to the Jewish people. They were literally enemies. It cannot be understated. There was so much cultural, racial bias against each other. And there was great division, okay? So, for Jesus, a Jewish rabbi, to speak to a Samaritan woman would have been culturally taboo and borderline scandalous. We even see this in the disciples' response in verse 27 when it says that they were surprised to see him talking with this woman. But once again, we see a narrative of Jesus breaking down barriers. We see a narrative of the heart of God that there is no barrier that Jesus cannot overcome. Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, always broke down barriers. He always reclaimed things. That's what God does. That's what Jesus does did. He always reclaimed things. And just like that, God breaks down barriers in our lives so that his glory can be shown in us. He does this so that he can help us also break down the barriers in other people's lives. It's a reclaiming cycle. It's a reclamation cycle, and Jesus was all about this all the time. Now, it should also be noted that It was very interesting in the scripture that it actually names the time of day that Jesus and the Samaritan woman engaged. It says in verse 7 that it was about noon, or in some of your Bible translations, it might even say midday. Now, the time frame um, would not have been, this time frame would not have been a desirable time to make the journey to the community water well, and I actually think that this is a little lost on us uh, here in North America, right? Right. accessing clean water is not uh, in most of our houses an issue, right? We have seven feet away from a bathroom with a sink and a spigot, right? Or a, a faucet. And we have access to clean water. We can go to the store and buy that. And so we don't quite understand just how difficult accessing clean water would have been in biblical times. But as you know... Um, those community wells, those clean water wells were generally outside the city. And it's still the case in much of the world today. In fact, the Covenant Church, the denomination that we are a, a part of, one of our major emphases is providing um, wells that provide clean water. And I could go off on a tangent on this and I won't. Maybe someday we'll talk about the clean water project that the Covenant does. But the fact is that getting water was a chore. And for this woman to go in the midday heat would have been sort of outside Of the community standards in in the area Um, in ancient times it was normally done in the mornings they were normally they would normally get their clean water in the mornings or late into the day and they would go in community there was safety in numbers sort of a community aspect but for this woman to come midday implies that there was something about her story that was out of the ordinary Because of Jesus' interaction with her later in the story, we know that she had a history of multiple husbands, okay? And this might have created a dynamic between the woman and her community. Maybe to some degree, she was an outcast to them. Maybe to some degree, she didn't want to be around the people in the community because of her story. But the fact is, we should be careful to assume the worst of the woman. We actually don't know Why she came to the well midday and we don't know why she had multiple husbands there are many reasons this could have been the case in fact some scholars think that she might have been barren and according to jewish law back in the day if you were married to a woman who was barren it was legal to just walk away from her and leave her destitute maybe her story included a cycle of pain where she kept trying to find a husband and have kids only to come up with nothing In fact, the only thing that Jesus calls her out for in her life at the time is that she, she is with a man now that is not her husband. This really is the only implication that Jesus makes, and so should we only assume that when we read the text. It's a good reminder for us, friends, that we don't always know the story in people's lives. We don't always know the story in people's lives that are in our lives every day at work or the parents of other our, our kids friends i mean we don't know what people are carrying, and the church unfortunately has this nasty reputation of coming across as judgmental all the time we're using language that creates an us and them mentality and it is killing our witness to jesus christ and the healing that has taken place in us if we are going to contribute to the healing of others We simply need to be authentic in our loving disposition and posture towards humanity. In verse 9 then, the woman responds to Jesus' request for her to give him a drink uh, with her own question. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her in the way that he brilliantly does. He says, If you knew the gift of God... And who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus' response is brilliant and it actually sets up what I like to call a wonderful curiosity. A wonderful curiosity. If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus drew the woman in in conversation, making her curious about several things. The first thing, is he makes her curious about the things of God, if you knew the gift of God. Secondly, he made her curious about who Jesus is. And thirdly, he made her curious about what Jesus could give her. There is a principle connected here to the if you knew, you would have asked. If you knew, you would have asked. And it begs the question for us today as we study the text. What is happening in our lives right now? now that we need Jesus to attend to. We all have the truth of Jesus' love for us. We all know the truth, and yet there are times where we try to go about it on our own. We like to control the situation. We like to make our own narrative rather than surrendering to Christ. Jesus gives us an, an, an option to come to him for healing. Then Jesus goes on to say in verse 13 and 14, Jesus answers, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks this water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become a, a, in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus makes an amazing offer, a miraculous offer, and what he offered to this woman and to anyone who would drink was something that would give lasting satisfaction, lasting satisfaction lasting wholeness the key is to drink of the water that jesus will give it's common for people you and me included to try and satisfy our thirst our god-created thirst with anything but jesus people are thirsty the world is thirsty we were created in that way we all want to belong somewhere we all want love and we search and we look for purpose in so many different things but only what Jesus gives satisfies at the deepest part of our soul. We put so much in our water jar that never satisfies. We pour so many things into our water jar that never actually quenches our thirst. Now, if you fast forward to one of the most, what I think are captivating words in this story is verse 28. And sometimes it's often overlooked and I will just like to hang on here for the rest of our time. Because it says this, Then, leaving her water jar. If I were writing in my Bible, I would bracket that. Then, leaving leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and they made their way toward him. The woman left her jar of water. The thing that she carried. And of course, it didn't look like this, but this represents what we're talking about this morning. And maybe metaphorically, if you could stretch there with me a little bit, it represents all of who she was in the past. She carried this burden, and she filled it with different things that she tried to find purpose, identity, belonging in, and it represents those things in the past. Whatever her story was, the brokenness that she came with, the things that kept her far from God, perhaps represented in the water jar that she then left behind at the feet of Jesus. Through her conversation, she had been reclaimed. She had been healed by this encounter with Jesus. There was a wild curiosity and an interaction with a God that broke down the barriers and would win the day. And this woman who had come perhaps defining herself by her past, came with a new identity and went and told others about it. And when we see the end of the story in verse 39, it says that many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony, because of her story. Frankly, this is an amazing story and a great example in my opinion of the words of our benediction, may you be healed as you participate in the healing of others." Now I just want to apply this and I think that to some degree we can see our response in the woman's response. We can see our response in the woman's response. There are a lot of things in our lives that we probably try to put in the water jar that define us, that we try to find healing with or things that we carry That sort of create a barrier between living into what God has called us to. And there's certainly a lot of material things that we like to fill up our water jar with, right? We love to have material things that give us some sort of sense of identity. But today is about healing. Today is about being healed so that we can participate in the healing of others. And so I wonder what sort of things have we put in our water jars over the years that have created some brokenness in us and maybe some of these things you resonate with? Maybe not. Do you come today in your water jar with fear? Do we struggle with fear so much that it's debilitating and it consumes our minds, our actions, and our hearts? Do we come with regret? Is there a decision from our past that haunts us at night when we close our eyes and it dances around the background of our minds every single day? Do we come with guilt? Was there a decision that you made or a decision that you didn't make that still to this day causes a sense of guilt in your life? What about anger? Do you struggle with anger, that control-based emotion that causes us to be irrational and irresponsible? What about bitterness? Bitterness is bitterness in our jar. Did someone wrong you when you were younger? or maybe even more recently in your life, and it's caused this bitterness to well up, and it's shaped you over time. What about shame? Shame is a salt water in the jars of our lives that only causes deformity. Then what about sin? Is there unconfessed sin in your life that creates a barrier for us engaging this living water that Jesus adds? With this moment of perfect fulfillment, the woman leaves her jar of water at the feet of Jesus. She came at the brightest time of day seeking water from a well. Instead, she encounters the light of the world, the true light which enlightens all people and now has living water to spare. A living water that overflows. And friends, the good news of Jesus is the same for us today. Now I would like to apply this a little bit and to do that and as we kind of close down our sermon I want to introduce to you this idea of being broken and being called. Being broken and at the same time called. Just thinking practically and being transparent I think the journey of finding healing in Jesus is in some ways both instantaneous and, tr- and at the same time a transformative journey over time. When we submit to God's transformative work in our lives, we do so as much and we develop a new capacity to bear witness even though we struggle with our brokenness throughout the world. And when Jesus described his disciples as the salt of the earth and the light of the world, he meant those images not so much as goals that we can work towards, but as points of identity as Matthew 5 names. We are salt and light i mentioned last week that new city covenant church is a sort of mission outpost and that definition is at least to some degree related to this identity we are salt and we are light for a world that deeply needs jesus and as jesus followers we embrace our common brokenness with the rest of humanity and all the humbleness that comes with that but we can't get over the fact and i don't want you to miss this we can't get over the fact that the presence of the living God in our lives makes us broken people on the mend. We are broken people on the mend. The church is then at once both broken and called, broken and called, and we aren't alone. One of my spiritual heroes is the late Mike Iaconelli. Mike um, was a, a very significant leader In the youth ministry movement across north america maybe you've even heard him before he used to be the president of an organization called youth specialties mike was somebody i looked up to Um, he was an author president of this major organization passed away in the early 2000s and he comments on these two contradictory divisions in our dimensions in our lives of being both broken and called and he says this and i think the quote will be on the screen he says it turns out that all the biblical characters were a complex mix of strengths and weaknesses. David, Abraham, Lot, Saul, Solomon, Rahab, and Sarah, and many more were God-loving, courageous, brilliant, fearless, loyal, passionate, committed, holy men and women who were also murderers, adulterers, and manic depressives. They were men and women who could be gentle, holy defenders of the faith one minute, and insecure, mentally unstable, unbelieving, And shrewd, lying, grudge-holding tyrants, the next. Oh, what a hope we find in the way that God has used all these wounded healers to bring about God's glory in the world. When we bring our water jars to the feet of Jesus and leave it at his feet, we join the journey with all believers in the past who have walked with us, and we journey alongside of them to bring about God's glory in this world. And it is the Spirit of God in us that calls us to be a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that we may proclaim the mighty acts of God who called us out of darkness into wonderful light from 1 Peter chapter 2. I'll end with this. My former colleague, um, Al Tizan, who was previously the executive, executive minister in the Covenant Church um, of the Serve Globally uh, Mission priority. He is an amazing author, great thinker. He's a spiritualist, missional thinker, and he wrote a book called Whole and Reconciled, which you'll hear me quote from from time to time. It's been a very formational book in my life over the last three years. And he said this in Whole and Reconciled listen to this. The Bible attests to a God who intentionally chooses and uses broken, imperfect people to accomplish God's purposes as if broken vessels themselves carry with them the message of God's saving grace. And So we come to this table today not as perfect people, but as people both broken and called as we participate in the healing of others. It's not a calling of perfection. It's a humble calling to submit to God's work in our lives. The reclaiming work of God in our lives even as God sends us out to, sends us out to bear witness to the abundant and overflowing spirit of the living God may it be true for you as you leave your water jar at the feet of Jesus today and go back into the world may it be true of you that we overflow this healing presence of the spirit of God in our lives in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen amen let's pray Father, we thank You for this day, and we thank You for the reclaiming work in our lives. And I can't help but wonder which of those words that were spoken earlier we might most resonate with. Has there been fear in our lives, God, that has to a large degree defined us? Is there bitterness? What kind of baggage do we each carry? Is there unconfessed sin in our lives god that you have called us to lay down at your feet what is the area of healing that we need most we ask god that you inform our minds because god we understand that this world that is also broken needs your hope and i want to ask father first for this church that god new city covenant church as we're in a time of vision as we're in time of seeking your wisdom of working through what it means to be Uh, the family of God, this particular part of the body of Christ located here on Tracy Avenue. In Edina, God, we believe there are broken people around us who need your hope. They need to experience your unconditional love, just like we have. So would you give us a holy vision of how we could do that? I don't know what it is, Lord. Maybe we need to start a soccer camp where little kids and their families come so that we can care for them by giving them some instruction and playing a, a game but at the same time, love their families because everybody needs that. Maybe we start something other program or or dream about what we can do with our property or what we should be doing in the community, Lord, but we need your help in guiding us. We ask, Father, that you would give us clear wisdom as we participate in the healing of others. That is our missional calling. But Father, it starts with us. And so whatever it is that we walked in here with today, Lord, we lay it at your feet Even as we come to this table, we lay it at your feet, God, and ask that you would take our lives and make them good, not because we are good, but because you are great. And individually, God, you've given us all a vision. There are people in our lives, maybe it's our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, maybe it's family members and it's really complicated. You've called us to participate in the healing of others. It's really hard to know how to do that. May we follow the lead of the woman at the well, went and simply shared her Jesus story. And may we see you work because of that obedience. Thank you for your word and how sweet it is God and may you get all the glory for this place. May you take the reins and guide us. We love you Jesus. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.